Welcome to the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast with Philip Washington Jr. Today, along with his guest, industrial engineer David Jones, Philip talks about a deep dive into 3D printing. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. We are back with another episode of Wealth Building Made Simple, and we're going to get deeper into lots of different topics. But specifically, I want to, I want to start back. Oh, by the way, y'all, David Jones is back. In a second. What's going on, uh, everybody? Those watching and listening, if you didn't watch how listen to our last episode or watch it, we started off talking about uh, technology and in, in, in industrial and in, in the industrial industry specifically. David's background uh, is metal. Um, but we got into 3D printing, so we're gonna pick back up the conversation. Right. Um, so on on 3D printing, uh, help me fill in the gaps of my understanding. So the, so the, I saw I saw media, and media went from being centralized to decentralized, mm-hmm. which allowed us to um, get a uh, discern a better understanding of truth based on like wherever we were, whatever our emotional state is, right? Because truth is relative anyway. Sure. Um, but we didn't we didn't have to be fed the truth from some centralized authority. Uh, it could be spontaneous bottom up, right? Now we're in, a, in the process of money being centrally controlled to distribute it uh, via the blockchain. And so that unlocks all kind of, both of them unlock all kind of new business models. Yep. Um, you know, because media is still, I mean, this is, Still a new industry in and of itself, and all the var- variations uh, within it. Um, so I think about three D printing, mm-hmm. and I go, "Oh, okay, three D printing um, can kind of solve a lot of the uh, problems, quote unquote, problems in manufacturing um, that we have." Because if anybody can become a, a, a manufacturer, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you know. Uh, maybe we don't have the, you know, five manufacturers in the city making all the money. Maybe we have 5,000 making collectively the same amount of money, but it's more, you know, it's more distributed. Sure. You know, sure. Uh, less accrued to the top. I mean, is that kind of good? Is that how you're thinking about it? Yeah. So, I mean, actually, I think that what I, th- what I understand you're leading toward actually ties together a few of those questions. Okay. So... Additive manufacturing does allow you to decentralize the making of things, which is helpful. So let's say you're at home and you're you're cooking and you decide you want to stand and you have this perception in your mind of what you want. And before, you know, you'd have to go find a guy that knows how to make the thing, whether he's a wood craftsman or a metal fabricator or craftsman or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or and you have to know the technical things how to explain that to them perhaps depending on what you're doing. Well, imagine a future, and it's not really imagine if people are doing this, where you have your idea, you have the ability to model that up using free or very inexpensive software, using very inexpensive hardware to print these things. You get exactly what you want mm. within the next couple hours, 
or minutes. These things are possible. So that does happen. Now, let's talk about what I believe decentralization will look like in manufacturing. There's basically three types or three levels of manufacturing. You have your craftsman, you have your small manufacturer, you have your large manufacturer. Let's just assume there's not a, a mid-sized one. So your craftsman is the person that's making that one-off thing with a lot of love and care. It's just like all skill. Mm-hmm. And it's, I can tell you what I want. You don't need to draw it up. You can just make it. And there's a place for that. Uh-huh. That's like the art of making things. And then you have your small manufacturer. That's where your additive guys are. You know, there's dozens of large manufacturers here in the Metroplex, but there's literally thousands of small ones. So it's already kind of decentralized. And they fill a place. And that's the ability to respond to customization and personalization because you have less efficient technologies, but way more flexible. And there's times where it pays to be efficient, and there's times where it pays to be flexible. So there's a space. And then you have your large manufacturer. That's when you need to really get some horsepower behind the thing because you either need to scale it with expertise or you need to get the price point down. And that's where your economies of scale come in. Uh, So I think what additive manufacturing, some emerging technology around automation and certain things like this is going to lower the barrier for people mm. to become craftsmen and small manufacturers. So you can say, I want to open an Etsy shop selling a coaster. Um, before, you'd have to get on maybe Alibaba or AliExpress or you know find the local person who can assist you, whereas now you could just start printing them and let it run around the clock. And not only you know, can you show... You can show your process of creating that and not just all this ads and, and mm. collateral that's get the box in or rebox it or you have to try to create a story that it doesn't exist. It's, you see it back there? It's print yeah. at my house. Yeah. Put in a box and I'm shipping it to you tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorts of things. So you take you take away – because like, you know, China had all the know-how for a lot of the, you know – just a lot of the manufacturing, and mm-hmm. so this is kind of removing their monopoly and allowing it to be any in, anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah, right? anywhere globally. I mean, when I started my career, I had no idea if I wanted to start a manufacturing co- company where I would start. You know, I worked for some large companies, and we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of investment over the years and sometimes billions of dollars of investment into this technology stack to make whatever widgets we were making. Whereas now I can literally go buy, you know, it might've cost me $20,000 to tool up to make a, let's let's say a little cup or something 10 years ago. I can go spend $400 and have that cup in production by the end of this week. now. Mm. So it's just really changed to where there's more people who have ideas you know, we have YouTube. We have all of these uh, online courses to where if you want to know how to do something, yeah. you can know how to do it, yeah. and you can get the stuff. They'll show you how to use the stuff that they're teaching you with, and it's accessible, and you can get into production. Uh, that's that's pretty dope, man. I, uh, uh, and, and from a cost standpoint, that's why I went to China because China was like, I think when you said Wish or Etsy, I was like a lot of stuff for some reason is so out of China. I'm assuming it was cost, but did this kind of help also? Well, it's it's cost, and another thing is the uh, the perception of what personalization and customization is. Mm. Many times we think we're getting what we want, but it's an illusion of choice. So if I have a factory and I make a whatever widget, 
I can say I can give you 50 colors and I can put your print, your logo on it. And that feels as if it's custom, but it's the same basic technology and the same basic products. Mm. We're just putting them together in different ways. And what China did well was they made that process simple for uh, first it was American companies. And he's going over to take advantage of some arbitrage and labor and laws and things like regulation, things like that. Yeah, that's business. Those things happen. But what happened is those Chinese firms recognize that what people really want is an easy use experience mm. to where you can say, I want this thing. I want it to look like this and do these things. I said, okay. You know, 60 days later, that thing shows up. Now, it may not be what you had on your drawings. It may not be even what you envision, but it's kind of close enough and it works and it's inexpensive. And more than anything, it was an easy use experience. And where a lot of American companies have struggled, uh, I think there are some big people that have recognized that. I'm doing that in my businesses is saying, give that same use experience to the American buyer and consumer, which is, you don't need to be an engineer to do this. Just explain to me what you want. We'll take care of the, the technical horsepower and give you a thing that's as close as as we can get it, that's reasonably priced and we'll leverage what whatever technologies are most appropriate for yeah, that application. Either through network effect, so that's something that I specialize in is, I'm not gonna go buy all these machines because I already know guys who own these machines. Yeah, They just need work. <laughs> <laughs> so if I can make that easy, say, hey man, I need you to make this for me, just like this. They don't have to deal with the customer, they don't have to deal with that puzzle part, like that's what I'm good at. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the void in the market that I feel. So 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 you 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 basically are doing what China's doing per se, where you're simplifying the process. Making it the easy button. So if you know, if a customer has a large project that's a lot of complexity, they're looking for one manufacturer. And that's what a lot of Chinese manufacturers give you the feeling of. They'll say, Come over to the factory, and if you don't know, you're like, Oh, they got a machine, they got a this, they got some people, they got everything I need without realizing that that guy is saying, yeah, I got some of the stuff. You probably don't know or not. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but you do know that you can get the thing. Yeah. And he knows 50 other guys. Yeah. And all you know is going to get done. So do the same thing here, but I do it with enough transparency to say like, well, here's a factory that I own or that I'm acting as a fractional executive of. Yeah. But I know almost everybody around here. Yeah. So if you want to get something complex done, there's not many better resources than than me and my colleagues to help you get. Oh, that yeah, done. And, and and your credit holds weight. If, you know, the more the more people that you satisfy and get done, you know, then price doesn't price doesn't even become an issue anymore because you're like, I just I just know if David's gonna do it, you know, then it's exactly. gonna get done. Exactly. And if it is a price issue, it's gotta let them know. Like, if you want cheap. I may not be your guy. Yeah, Maybe order, I am, but get it on Wish. Yeah. <laughs> get it from somewhere else. What's the, what's the sound? Find somebody else. Find somebody else. But yeah. No, that's dope, man. That uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, one one more question for this segment on just uh this whole technology. So, what what do you think the operational leverage outside of just simplicity is going to be for companies? You know, people like you and companies that are um, integrating additive technology into, you know, into their business today moving forward. I think the biggest opportunity is, you know, before if I wanted to make um, certain products at scale, I needed to invest in the equipment and that's one issue. And then I had to acquire the people who could run those pieces of equipment and maybe they were trained, maybe they weren't. So that's another level of complexity. Whereas now... 
I just need a machine and I don't even necessarily need a guy who knows how to run the machine. Um, I just need the files that feed into the machine and the material. And it more or less takes care of itself, you know, like 80-something percent of the way. And I, I think that will continue to improve. It's already improved a lot. So you're going to become less reliant on individuals. Uh, I can't say I have mixed feelings about that. It's just kind of yeah, it, it is what it is. It is yeah. In terms of, you know, people don't necessarily want to do those sorts of activities anymore. However, those activities, the outputs of those activities are still required for our quality of life. Mm -hmm. So if people don't want to do the work, if people do want to do the work, that's the easiest option. Yeah. You know, more times than not, companies are going to go with people. But if those people are not available or not interested, the other means have to be found. So mm -hmm. that's where additive comes in, automation comes in, digitization comes in. Uh, on some of these products. Yeah, no, I'm and for anybody who's always afraid of technology, you know, I always go you can't stop evolution. Uh it's going if you try it's going to run you over. So so uh I I tend to just say for example, like I know people who are in the industry who don't make a lot of money, work a lot of hours, hate their jobs. I'm like, well this technology allows you to now partner with the manufacturer and say, "Hey, I'm going to set up a store." You know, I'm gonna, I'm like, I'm passionate about this product, and I'm gonna make seventy thousand dollars a year, uh, talking about it, working ten hours a week. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? With free time, and mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Without the stress on my body, and I'm like, that's if, if you know what I'm saying? Like, if I were in the industry, afraid of my job, and I paint that picture, I'm like, you like it better. You like you you make the same amount of money, if not more. Yeah. The only difference is you just don't want to change your skill sets, and that's yeah. then that becomes only that becomes your problem. You know, our evolution is not about <laughs> being busy. Yeah. Our evolution is about increasing our enjoyment in life. And there was a time where certain activities were enjoyable for people in that time. They were perfect in that time, but not yet complete. So we're driving towards this perfection. Yeah. Um, in completion, and that's just how it is. It's like a hundred years ago when cars were coming on the scene. What about, what about all the, the, the carriage operators and the horsemen? Like, it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. What about 100 years before that with mechanization of farming? It's like 90% of everybody in the world was farming full time. It all worked out, Yeah, you know? Yeah. If we had to go back to that, like, we would probably call 80% of the population just because we'd be like, oh, I don't know how this works. Yeah, and I would hate being a farmer. We'd be done. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be a farmer. Yeah. Much prefer to do this. Absolutely. You, just, <laughs> you keep moving forward and you find a way to participate in the way of progress and not be an impediment to progress. I think that's the biggest key to just keeping up with the times and how they change. Absolutely. Let everybody know how they can reach it. They want to. Uh, check out any of your media properties. Okay. Uh, you can check me out on social media, one on t one of two places. The Black Business Cowboy, uh, that's Instagram, that's TikTok, that's Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on uh, my agricultural brand, which is the Urban Grower Supply. Uh, that's on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Uh, and then also on Twitter for industrial stuff, you can find me at SMB MFG. I try to keep things pretty specific to what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. about so which mm -hmm. is those different brands. But if you want to reach out direct, David at FordIndustrial.com. That's number four, W-A-R-D, industrial.com. Got it. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com 
forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.